Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is the Batter Up podcast for the week of May the 18th and 19th here on Radio.com and Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. My name is Will Pelagic, Willie P, colloquially known as, along with Joe Patrick and Caleb Johnson. You can find us on the Radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts as we continue to work our way through the MLB negotiations and a possible return to play. Good afternoon, Joseph. Good Tuesday to you, Will. And good afternoon to Caleb. What up? So there's really nothing different now than when we last spoke other than Major League Baseball's expansive and thorough safety report. There still tends to be a bit of an impasse between the MLB owners and the players in terms of what they want financially on either side in terms of wanting a return to play. There's obviously the talk about the salary cap or not salary cap, things of that nature. Uh, Joe, you said something yesterday that I think represents a pretty good uh, indicator in the fact that we've stopped kind of hearing publicly from uh, both sides. There isn't as much infighting publicly in the uh, in the public waves, which maybe gives us uh, an indication that things are going on behind the scenes, and and that probably brings a lot more optimism to the situation than has probably been uh, in, in existence over the course of recent days. Yeah, I, I think the, the owners still seem like they're totally willing to go into the media um, and, you know, tell written journalist things. They obviously meant Rob Manfred was on freaking Anderson Cooper last week. But I actually am what really encourages me is that we aren't seeing the public retorts from Tony Clark like we did at the beginning of all of this where, you know, the the information about the revenue sharing was leaked and then like immediately Tony Clark was um you know, he had his words, I think, on The Athletic saying it was it was a non starter and all that stuff. Even if there's still some disagreements, which I'm I Obviously, there are at this point still. I just like the fact that those disagreements aren't coming out in the public. I'm I'm very confident that progress is still being made despite us necessarily having to hear about every about it every single time. Caleb, I'm I'm kind of curious because you know while I think the money is getting all the attention, uh, there seems to be some conversation about the safety protocols kind of being balked at. I'm kind of of the opinion of like, look, there is no precaution that is too ridiculous to me. Like, I feel like if you're doing anything you possibly can in the name of safety, that should be something that's taken into consideration. But uh, you've been hearing some of the uh, adversarial comments when it comes to that 67-page report. Yeah, I think... Just to start off with, I, I would agree with you that that you know there's no length that you should be willing to not go to in order to play as safely as possible. The alternative to that is is those that are saying, well, baseball players out of any sport are probably the most stuck to a, a way of of life, a way of playing the game. And the way that you're going to go about restricting them is going to make them not be able to play to their to their full capacity, and and that could then create problems. It's the some of I guess the one thing that I've really been surprised by is in that 67 page document there is one specific thing that Major League Baseball wants baseball players to stop doing that I've heard repeatedly through national pundits and people on Twitter and various places have a major problem with. And it's something that the that the Korean League implemented and then it was just kind of put away is the fact that there's no spitting. It is for some reason in in you know, I, I get in the game of baseball that there's a lot of reasons to spit, whether it's 
just to you know you got sunflower seeds and you like to have something dry going. air mm-hmm. yeah you know you just yeah you, you like just having visual. yeah you have that constant thing kind of going on what you're spitting into your glove to to lubricate it up and kind of you know in your hands and yeah exactly <laughs> yeah so sure there are all licking of those, the fingers on the mound uh, yes. as going to the mouth so there are all of those things that uh, that Major League Baseball, by putting this, you know, we want no spitting, obviously it's not going to come naturally to guys. And I don't think it's one of those things. I, I've heard some guys kind of going on, what's the punishment going to be? I don't think this isn't a punishment type of yeah. deal. This is a we are trying to play as safe as possible once we can play and this is one of those things you just have to follow somehow the korean league is just able to do it and it's not a big deal well even so like i think we can take some things from some of the sports that have started up like because we were able to see live sports for the first time this weekend we saw the bundesliga german soccer get underway and we saw nascar and also some televised golf and to be honest there were some moments in all of those events that didn't really look like there was social distancing going on. I know NASCAR, I feel like, and and I'm, not that I'm surprised by this, but but NASCAR looked like they probably took the most precautions, especially when you see Regan Smith sitting there with one mic and then another person off camera with a boom mic when they're interviewing drivers and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. That, that part was, I think, especially... I don't want to say jarring, but it was just like, oh, it was something that was noticeable. And the fact that he was wearing a mask the entire time. But, like, you know, watching that golf event, there were way too many people on that golf course, in my mind, to put on a broadcast, and they were all standing pretty darn close together. And when you think about you know, the Bundesliga, yeah, for the most part, the goal celebrations were very muted, but it wasn't like we didn't see guys not, not hugging and high-fiving and stuff like that. We saw a bunch of uh, violations of the code, if you will. So to, to act like, like something like spitting being outlawed would be a barrier to play, that, that just seems... Just ridiculous to me. I, I totally agree, and I, I totally agree with you, Caleb, that it's not like it, they're not going to like toss somebody out of a game because they spit, you know, on the ground or in their glove or whatever. Um, to me, what the whole sixty-seven page safety document really underscored was just how seriously owners are committed to taking the safety precautions that um, the players have expressed that they want, you know, like the, like Sean Doolittle, we talked about it last week, I think. Uh, yeah, we talked about Sean Doolittle last week, um, that he came out and, you know, he was saying that we were zooming way ahead of the, the safety stuff and in talking about the money. And so I think that what this document really shows is kind of that attention to detail from the owners that they are committed to trying to keep the, the, field of play and and even beyond the field all the other places that players would go as safe as possible on uh you know on behest of the players who are the ones that are going to be out there kind of taking that risk that that risk that we've been talking about so for me like i'm less concerned like i'm not really all these things whether it's spitting whether it's um i'm trying to think of what some of the other kind of weird ones are like oh not oh trust having to me request the weird one is the fact that there will be no showers at the ballpark. Yeah, no, yeah, that was that was an odd one because when baseball players come off the field, they're like sweaty and dusty and dirty as well. Say, yeah, guys will all take three showers of us have been in between innings. Yeah. All three of us, all three of us have been uh, in Major League Baseball clubhouses. Uh, the amount of stank that goes on yeah, in, in those in those locations is is palpable. You can yeah. feel it. For sure. That, that is a weird one. I think there was another one about um, players having to make requests if they wanted to leave the team hotel when they're on the road. All these different kinds of things. Like, we might think that they're um, minuscule or, like, you know, over overly concerning uh, or, like, overly cautious. But I just think that that's the way that the owners want to err on all these things. So they design this whole safety plan kind of just erring on the side of caution wherever they can, kind of knowing that rules are going to be broken whether purposely or not i'm I'm sure in terms of like things like spitting i'm sure a lot of times when people players do it it won't be intentional you know it's not like they're trying to harm anybody but it's just something that happens but the more that they can kind of put that on the consciousness of the players and other team personnel who these um these protocols might involve i think that's just going to overall improve the safety to the the highest extent possible 
My whole issue, as we continue to look towards what exactly is going to need to happen but until we get an agreement with these two sides, is is what's the avenue to it? Because you feel like you have guys, anytime you're in a negotiation of this nature, you have very, you know, stand-and-ground type philosophies. You know, Major League Baseball is pretty ardent about a 50-50 split, and MBPA, again, they used the term non-starter last week. Um, and because of that, there's a a significant, I think, barrier between those two sides. How does that get negotiated? How does that get reneged? Which side's going to buckle? Because I think you said this in an earlier radio appearance, Joe, the, the, the worst case scenario is the same for, for both of them, is that no baseball hurts each of these sides equally and hurts the entire sport in a way that I think many people would agree is is irreparable harm if they do not play a season in 2020. The fact that they have that common ground, I think, is is really important because that's kind of the fundamental baseline where you can say, okay, let's play baseball. Let's figure out a way to share it, to, to, to get this thing going, because if we don't play, it's, a disa- it's an absolute disaster. We'll all be making less money. I do think that the owners do kind of have the upper hand in terms of leverage in my mind at least it's like the the players have to kind of come up to their level to an extent i mean like they both need to come together at some point it's not like the owners can just kind of make this make this proposal and just rebuff any kind of offers that the players might make but i do think to an extent you know the major league baseball owners are the ones who will determine whether there is a season or not you know like i mean unless it's like a league of their own situation where it's like the players want to go out in there and like play i don't know um so i do think that the the owners have that and i think that that gives them some advantage in the negotiation but i mean i don't i don't really have a gut feeling as to like what side is going to come out getting more or the, the better part of what they're bargaining for here to be perfectly honest well, I know initially just the fact that the owners were able to put out their offer per se first is going to that is what everything is going to be based off of. We're going to give and take based on this initial, you know, what what the owners put out first. I think with any league, the owners typically get the upper hand. They they are the ones who get the better end of the deal or they have to, I guess, uh, they're the ones who aren't negotiating as as hard. I did find it interesting that there was a, a former team president. There was an ESPN article uh, that I think came out earlier today or yesterday that there was a, a former team president said it is in no one's interest to play this year except the game of of baseball. Uh, but the long-term health of the game is at stake here. So, you know, it's, it's one of those, I think everyone's, the obvious thing is, well, if, if we wanted to be as safe as possible, we're just not going to play. But if there's any league that needs to play because, you know, life would unfortunately move on without them, it is Major League Baseball. Uh, and my my whole thing is this, is that if this is really the way things are going between these two sides, then why is it only baseball that we're hearing this from? Like, are we going to ha- have this same conversation in the NFL? Are we going to have this same conversation in the NBA and, and even hockey? Or is it just because you have the one situation where MLB hasn't started its season yet and they're basically next up, so to speak? Yeah, uh, I you know so we've been talking a lot about the CBA that's kind of looming at the end of next season, right? And I think if there's mm-hmm. no baseball, if the, let's just say worst case scenario, there's like no agreement, there's no baseball this year. It's hard for me to see them like coming back next year and playing too um, with the CBA negotiation kind of lingering on the horizon. Like I think there's and to go back to what Caleb was saying, you know, there's an opportunity cost to not playing baseball that extends beyond whatever the ba- the budget the the spreadsheets will say in terms of like how much the owners are going to get paid versus how much the the players are going to get you know like there are there are f- f- numerical figures like that that will represent one thing and then i think there's another less definitive uh measure 
uh, value that uh, an agreement holds um, that is, again, like I, you, you can't really define it. I think that it's just that it just adds the importance that these two sides do come to an agreement and play baseball. How important is it for Major League Baseball to have a provision in there for guys who aren't willing to play? I So we were texting about this uh, last week, I guess it was, and I kind of threw it out there saying that, like, I think Major League Baseball, should, if a player doesn't want to play because of a health risk and they then forego their salary, um, they should have the right to do that. Like, I don't think that MLB should be, like, you know, whipping them like a sled dog uh, to, like, get out there and play in the current conditions. I think that if somebody um, – I don't know if we know of anybody who's, like, seriously, seriously at risk from an underlying condition, but maybe they have a relative who does or something. Family like, member or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. If, if there's, for some reason, that they feel like they don't – that it's it's too big of a risk, I, I don't think you can force somebody to do that. And so I think that you would at least give them some autonomy in the, in the decision. Well, the uh, commissioner Rob Manfred, when he was on Anderson Cooper last week, he did he did say that pretty much verbatim that any player who doesn't want to play does not have to, and so I I I felt like that was kind of a common sense thing, like you know. Yeah. Uh, of but what course, does that no. mean? That's my question. What does that well, mean? Does that mean I'm, they get paid? Sure, does that mean they don't? Oh, get I'm paid? sure. I'm. I mean, look. I feel like that would be with any job. If you don't work, you don't get paid. Yeah, and you know, I mean, whether or not that team would work out some sort of deal or something like that, I, I, I'm sure, I'm sure it's only going to be bigger names that would even try to do something like that. But I did read uh, an ESPN article who was talking about the fact that Ryan Zimmer, uh, uh, Ryan Zimmerman, <laughs> has his wife's pregnant and she's going to have a baby this summer, and so. He's not really looking forward to this idea of not being able to see her or be around her. I think his kind of idea was, oh, I'm going. Like, I'm going to be there for the birth of my kid. And so how will that complicate things as to whether or not he just waits until after the birth of his child to come back and play or if he does the whole two-week quarantine? I do think that – we and we've talked about a lot of the safety protocols that MLB has proposed. Honestly – I think that those safety protocols are so thorough. I don't know that an, a major league baseball player who's out there playing is at much more risk than like you or I, who's going to the grocery store, uh, you know, uh, once a week or something. And then like, if, if one of our partners has a baby, like we, you know, I think everybody to a certain extent is exposed to some risk in society. That's just the way pandemics work. <laughs> and so right. I think that, um, I think there does need to be some like, understanding that we can't just like totally prevent some of these underlying risks that are that we all are under every single day yeah i think with with the 67 page document that came out my first thing when i because everyone what did everyone say when it first came out 67 pages (laughs) man you know, it was one of those. They they covered everything. Could they not you know? stretch it to sixty nine. Like, would it have yeah. been that hard to just like <laughs> nice. throw some more in there? Nice. No. Oh no, you know they had to stay away. But it was one of those. I was listening to to guys talk about. Oh, they're gonna they're gonna sanitize the dirt. You know, and, and it's like no, they're not. But what what Major League Baseball wanted to do was to put it out there that look, we are taking this very seriously because not only are they taking they're, they're fighting two things yes they want to play safe but also they want to keep the appearance that they are doing everything they possibly can there is a pr aspect to this 100%. will yeah will you were talking earlier about what nascar is doing nascar did one of the most ridiculous things with the the photo that was going around kevin harvick wins the race and he's standing there next to his car. There's not a person within 10 to 20 feet of Kevin Harvick, and he's wearing a mask on his face. Right, right. But why did they do that? Because they knew Appearance. that photo that yep. photo is going to be distributed to everyone. That's what people are going to see. And they're, oh, NASCAR is taking this very seriously. When it comes to the broadcast, they've got the six-foot boom pole out here. Oh, because NASCAR is taking this very seriously you know they they are doing everything they can to prevent the spread of coronavirus as we've heard in every commercial and major league baseball is doing the same exact thing with this document that covers everything from you know they don't want 
baseball players when they're warming up to use the same baseballs. They want everyone to have their own set of baseballs, to which Mike Francesa was on the air this past weekend saying, hey, maybe baseball players should get their names monogrammed on them. So everyone has their individual set. You know, it's just, you know, wouldn't that be cute? You know, it's just, that's where we are. I, I it, Like, you watch the Bundesliga and you have players on the bench sitting like six feet away from each other in the uh, stands the, the very the very yeah the socially distanced um you know, distance that's required or whatever meanwhile like the other players that are on the field are like slobbering and you know sweating yep. all over each other fighting for aerial balls and then like one of the teams after a goal was scored like one of the players like kissed the uh, another guy like his teammate who scored <laughs> on the forehead and it was just I, he was like like clearly trying to like send a signal and then like the Bundesliga had to come out and be like he but will not be he will not be punished for this but like it's like you know players are going to do their own thing but the leagues have it. to set up the most safe place possible and I and I but I see MLB's I see MLB's side of this because at the end of the day it's their ass if someone gets sick honestly so that that's I I see the the reasons why those particular things are being put in place and why everything is so thorough and and because of the fact that that you have like 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 I don't I don't see why it's uh I don't see why it's productive to bash a league that is is literally trying everything they possibly can to to keep its players safe and and the other part of this too that I think well, when we go back to talking about the money scenario is that the one thing that I think that this is exposed in a macro sense is just how royally messed up the economics of the game of baseball are from the standpoint of you have plenty of teams who whether it's not in their best interest to compete right away or it's in their best interest to just kind of take the the revenue sharing uh stuff and pocket it and you know wait and play for the future it's exposing a lot of those inequities and exposing a lot of ownership groups that quite frankly don't belong in baseball because they don't know how to turn a profit, they don't know how to attract fans, and they don't have any interest in competing for championships. And so because of that, you have a scenario right now where I think a lot of MLB owners who are looking basically to take it in the teeth right now, and even with the proposed revenue split are thinking about taking it in the teeth because of the fact that they're going to lose the gate and and lose a lot of the money from that revenue standpoint, I, I think that you might see some turnover when it comes to some ownership groups because of the fact that not only does this throw caution to the wind when it comes to the way Major League Baseball's economics go? But when you think about the new CBA that expires uh, or that that will replace the one that expires in December of 2021, they're going to have to take a long look at the way that they organize contracts and the way they organize competitive balance in the league because I don't know how sustainable that is long term, especially when you think about the losses that will happen this year. Yeah, I mean, baseball probably has one of the weirdest economic situations with the way players are able to kind of move through the ranks when it comes to the team control, the renewable contracts, then the arbitration phase, all that stuff. And I I would probably, I I would imagine because of the fact that there's no salary cap in baseball, um, I would have to think that there's probably some of the biggest disparities of any sport between like the top earners and the lowest earners. I do want to go back for a second. uh, Will, I don't, I don't think we're like, I'm not meaning to like bash the Bundesliga or NASCAR or anybody for like having these protocols in place. What I'm saying is that like they have to do that. And then it's on the onus will be if like on the players, like the players will be breaking rules. I'm I'm quote air quoting breaking rules here. um, Because that's just, you know, they have to cover their bases, but to, and sometimes to a ridiculous extent, an extent that seems unnecessary, but just so that they can kind of put it out there that, look, we're paying attention to this and just let the players do what they're going to do or drivers so, uh, it's or like, whatever. Like the pirate code is more like guidelines instead of rules. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but then to go back to the, the financials, I mean... It's it's a it's a difficult conversation to have, right? Because we don't know the numbers, we don't know the revenues that that MLB brings in exactly, um, and especially in this in this situation, like what that looks like. What I, I'm sure there will be new revenues that are brought in um, based on this made for TV package that Major League Baseball will have. I'm sure they will probably be doing more mic'd up things, more, and there will be just more sponsorable TV products that can be put out there so it will be interesting i I don't know i i don't i don't really know how to have a conversation on the on the financials of this without seeing the books yeah exactly 
I um, it's 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 difficult for me too to envision you know what the future of baseball looks like with them in an impasse. But the the one thing that I, I do know is that when we do get back to play, and we talked about this a little bit last week, you know, I think the Braves are set up about as good as anybody can be in this combined AL East, NL East hybrid that, that we're going to have here uh, when they start a play, whether it's in July or, or later on, because I do think they have the depth when it comes to position players. And I also think they created a lot of unintentional depth when it comes to their starting rotation and their bullpen. And I think, you know, you're going to have a sense where you might have a, a scenario where you have to go maybe to a six-man rotation or do some some other creative things to your roster, especially with it being expanded and, and you might be able to use some minor leaguers or people who were projected to be in the minor leagues that'll be on the big club like Kyle Wright, things of that nature. I, I think from a depth standpoint, this is really going to showcase one of the things that I think uh, – people didn't realize was a strength to the Braves that might actually be a strength in this in this modified season. I feel and, like I've been talking a lot. Caleb, you you, you take a shot at it. <laughs> no, it was just uh I was trying to look through because when it came to the number of players, they're gonna they're gonna be yeah. what, giving fifty players and I think yeah, thirty, the, fifty. Yeah, so so they'll have thirty active and then they can I think they're what they're calling it taxi between yeah. the other twenty. So that's huge for the Braves, who are going into, you know, I had a spring where you had a lot of young guys, and all I kept hearing was it was either guys' time to prove themselves or to get moved for other options that could be used right now. Christian Pache, a perfect example of a guy who this is put up or shut up time before the Braves decide are we, you know, is is this the future or are we moving on kind of deal? So I think this lands perfectly for them where it gives them that option to, you know, to be able to, to see what they have and compete at the same time. Um, but you're, also giving up a, you're also giving up a year of service time for him, though, too, th- th- aren't well, that, you? That's the interesting see, thing is, like, how will, will clubs – sorry, go ahead, Caleb. I, I'm just I, – I don't know what – they're going to do, but I would have yeah. to imagine that that a- any arbitrator is not going to side with a club in this instance of of t- a playing time, just because I mean these are most absurd circumstances. You're getting half a season. Are we really counting it as half a season, or is it a full season? Right. What are we doing there? I I don't know. I, I think in that instance, I wouldn't. I guess as a fan, I wouldn't worry too much. But then again, if I'm a player, oh, I'm surely keeping an eye out. And I have to imagine that's one of the big issues that Tony Clark is going to have to fight for for the players is that they it, you know get some sort of option of, of you know, playing time. Yeah, I'm and I'm very curious to kind of see how teams handle this, especially with some of their top prospects. We're keeping that clock. Um, from running, from starting is so important to a lot of these teams. And, like, do they want to start that clock during this season? I don't know. But I, I do think that you, I definitely agree with you that I think the Braves have the depth um, where these rules actually fit quite well with what they have already in stock. I think the way I kind of see the Braves is like, they, I mean, they have some, they have some top end talent. Freddie Freeman, Ronald Acuna, like these guys are some of the best in baseball. But I think just like when you're comparing the Braves to some of the the league's other top top teams, they probably don't have quite the 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 amount of that like pr- like that premium premium talent. And I think that what really bolsters them is a lot of that depth. We last year they used tons of pitchers kind of coming in through the starting rotation when they needed them. Uh, you had guys coming up from the minors. Austin Riley came up and made a big contribution. You just had a, like a lot of pieces, and I think that those will come very much in handy this season. But, you know, to, to kind of go back to what Will was talking about bringing up this question, I think a lot of the conversation that we've had on this podcast, what, what Braves fans have been having in general, is kind of the impact of the, the new DH rule and how that's going to fit the Braves really well. It's, it's going to at least solve a problem for them where – at the beginning of the season, it was kind of between Austin Riley and Johan Camargo because both were some of the best, you know, the hottest hitters in spring training for the Braves. And now you just have natural spots for both of them. But I think, you know, the starting rotation was kind of 
1B in terms of the competitions that were taking place in spring. Sure. Felix Hernandez was looking like a, a guy that you couldn't, you, you could not cut him uh, the way he was pitching. Sean Newcomb was doing everything you would have asked Sean Newcomb to do, especially, particularly not walking guys. He was not, I think he had like one walk uh, in all of his spring training appearances. And Kyle Wright was absolutely dominating as well. So I think that the Braves actually have an opportunity to use a six-man rotation if they need to. Uh, you know, I, we don't know exactly what the schedule is going to look like, but you have to imagine it's going to be pretty compressed. Um, you might be having more doubleheaders than you normally would, especially if you end up getting postponements or cancellations. Um, there's not as many days to make up those kinds of games. So I think that I, I would expect all six of the all six of the Braves pitchers, including obviously Soroka Freed and Fulton Evich, and combined with the three I just mentioned, I think all six of those guys will get a decent amount of run this season. I really loved what Wright did in the spring. Like he mm-hmm. he compressed his his wind up. His stuff had a lot more movement on it, and and I think he he had more of a command of the strike zone. And again, you you wonder again about the sample size and and you can't really break down a spring training start the way you do a regular season start because those guys are trying different things and and you're not necessarily going through a pitching plan in the general sense but and, th- and and Kyle Wright also pitched really well last spring too. When he and did, he, and then he, that, that's very why he true. Got, that's why very he started fair. in the opening series, and then things kind of fell apart for him. But that's very fair. It's very fair. Um, it might be a minuscule thing, but I'm wondering, you know, especially for these young pitchers, I'm wondering if if the impact of of not having to worry about hitting is a is a particular relief for them. I don't know. It's it makes oh, me it sad. Fishing, be, yeah. It makes me sad that we won't get to see Mike Fultonevich that because he's always just hilarious when he hits I'll, I no, would say I mean, sad yeah the only guys the only pitcher I will miss seeing bat would be Max Freed at least when it comes to the Braves just for the pure fact of he's one of the few who actually has some skill when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to hitting you know I mean just look all of these guys are typically below average you know, you have – we'll miss out on the moments of, you know, having a Bartolo Cologne hit a home run and everyone remembers it for forever kind of deal. But you'll you'll get more offense, you know, you'll you'll lose some of the, the double switch and all that kind of stuff that I, I might call garbage that might be a little too hot takey. Uh, you know, some others might call it strategy, but whatever. Uh, when it comes to the game, I think it'll speed things up, and you you you'll ultimately you get more offense. I'm honestly in a different mindset, I guess, when it comes to this rotation and what I think is going to happen when they actually get games going. Um, I and maybe because I I'm th- I'm thinking how Brian Snicker is going to think mm-hmm. is that I think uh. we're going to see I think we're going to see less six man rotation more five-man rotation, and one of those starters, which I would guess would be Sean Newcomb, is going to be converted into your your expected uh, long reliever or, or guy who you can call on as soon as your starter is out of there, only because it's, I don't know, it, most people think that starters aren't going to go as long as you might have True. typically seen in a normal season. Yep. And honestly, I just... You know, it, it, guys at our station might have a hard time with the way that Snicker manages, but I just think <laughs> it it is oh. the way. Yeah, it, it, it is oh. the way. It is the way that it is, and we've kind of learned his style. I think he'd more adapt to to going and keeping a a, a traditional sense of a five man rotation, and then use a guy like Sean Newcomb in that in that long reliever, that more uh, a a quick guy he knows he can turn to. Yeah, I wonder what um, this modified season is going to do for the argument, uh, or at least the the folks who are in the quote unquote opener camp. Like, if if, if that if that particular philosophy gets uh, magnified or, or junked as a result of, of a modified season, I don't I don't know how I feel about compromising a bullpen once every five days in a compressed season like this. But there might be some who feel like it, it'd be a uh, 
a good philosophy to impart. I'm not sure, especially if you have an expanded roster. Yeah, uh, Gabe Burns from the AJC did a did a couple articles. Um, gosh, they were probably more than a month ago now at this point. But he was talking to Leo Mazzoni, talking about how he dealt with the Braves pitching staff in that '95 season after the, coming off of the um, coming off of the strike, and you know. The, the he Leo said that pitchers were you know they couldn't go as long obviously for obvious reasons and so yeah I, I Caleb I, I think you might be onto something there I do wonder if you might see instead of a six man rotation I think you actually would need like two maybe even three guys who you could rely on to go long um, designated long man because when you go long then you probably you need longer to recover so it's not like you can. Um, just get one day in between. Yeah. You might need more more options there. So I think, yeah, like, and I think that Kyle Wright or one of the other starters could do a job like that because I think it's kind of a similar mentality where it's like, doesn't really, when you're a long man, you're not necessarily coming in to get out of like some sort of high leverage situation. You're typically just going in there with the mentality that I need to get through the through the lineup once or twice or or, or get through three innings, four innings, however many it is. And so I think that you could have Kyle Wright do that as well. Um, it will be interesting to kind of see how it goes, though, tactically. It, it will be an interesting situation. And I think that when we talk about the rosters, and for these reasons, I do think that you're likely to see a lot of those, what, four extra spots because they were going to 26 men this year anyway. I think most teams will use, like, three of those spots on pitchers. Who scares you in the AL East now that you're going to see more of them in this season if it does uh, resume this way? I think uh, I think uh, the Yankees have to be uh, the Yankees are obvious uh, yeah. obvious I think choice. The Ra- I mean the Rays are amazing. Like they're peculiar. They're a peculiar threat. I guess yeah. you could say. And, and Toronto, w- Toronto can bite you too. I mean, a lot of people haven't been talking about them when it comes to like the top opponents in the AL East. But so basically, um, everybody but Baltimore is what you're pretty saying. Pretty much. Well, yeah, I was like, I was going to say, is there a, like an E option? All of the above, and yeah. then I was like, well, no, throw out Baltimore, but. Yeah. Then just the rest, I don't think you, you'll be able to take any of these teams lightly, especially the Yankees, who, if there's going to be any team that's going to want to, you know, try to try to grab the attention of of a shortened season and who can play really strong for, you know, uh, the first half of a season, it'd be them. Well, well, I almost I, go ahead, Joe. I I do think it's really interesting that these two divisions are getting paired together because it's something I mentioned a lot last year when the NL East was as competitive as it was. I mean, maybe it didn't end up that way in the standings, but um, I mean, you had legitimately four teams that could win the division, and it, they like, were they lo- were competitive against each other. These, yeah, the Braves right, exactly. Braves won the balance of games that were outside of their division, and the other teams didn't. Exactly, and if you look at the way that the division shook out, you you got look at those how each of those teams played against the Marlins. You know, it's like right. it, it actually does put a lot of weight when you have so many competitive teams. It puts a lot of weight on can you beat the Orioles and beat the Marlins on a consistent basis? Like those games actually have a lot of value because of how um, you know how much you're expected to win those games you really need to come through and execute and i think the Braves did that you know the, well, the Braves did do that way better last year than any of their NL East counterparts and i think we're likely to see the same thing again this year it's uh it's going to be very fascinating because there are going to be matchups that like like the Braves and the Yankees that are basically kind of fantasies for a lot of people just because of the fact that those two franchises have such a storied history against each other, especially when you think about uh, what happened in the late 90s and you know, even the Red Sox and Braves with the, the combined lineage of, of being from Boston. That, that'll create a lot of intrigue as well. But I, I also feel like, like I said earlier, that I, I don't know of a franchise, at least in this group of 10 teams, that that has the kind of organizational depth and and consistency across that depth. Like if we're if we're power ranking the players one to thirty on all ten of these teams, I feel more confident about the the ten to thirty range of where the Braves are than I probably do about any of the teams not named the Yankees or Red Sox. Personally. Yeah, no, I agree. And that's kind of what I was talking about earlier, where it's like I feel like the Braves aren't at the level as some of these teams are with the premium top talent, but I think that further down the roster i think the braves have a lot more or at least just like a lot more consistency a lot more proven experience uh at you know in those that tranche of players 
What do you guys think uh, Major League Baseball can take from the opening of play with the stuff we saw this past weekend? Well, I think it's as simple as there might be a lot of concerns and issues brought up at the forefront. You get a week, two weeks in, and everything's pretty smooth, and people will start putting this stuff behind them, and we will go on somewhat business as usual. I, I think that was the biggest thing with you know with NASCAR coming back this past week, and and you know Bundesliga coming back, and that kind of thing. Is it happened? We had a winner. We had something to focus on besides coronavirus, coronavirus, coronavirus. And everyone kind of exhaled a little bit. It was like, let's meet back here next week and do it again. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't it feel like you kind of like when you get into this space where it's like lockdown, be careful, be it's like all these um, you're hearing all these like messages about like um, like protecting yourself and confining yourself in this space. And then it's very can can be like mentally, emotionally scary to like get out of that space when you've had all this messaging put on you so i think for to an extent like just like for i'm sure for a lot of those bundesliga players for anybody who was involved with this stuff it's like oh we can actually get out here and do this you know and then once you experience that you start to perceive things maybe differently than you had before yeah i think the other thing is we're having a conversation now of if we you know when we go back to play not if but if a player or a coach or something happens to, you know, get the virus, what will we do with it then? And how will we kind of handle it and move past it? And I think there's a lot of uh, solutions and ideas out there of how to handle it. Whereas it was what, just three, four weeks ago, we were talking about if someone gets the virus, all oh, this whole thing's shutting down. Like we're like, it's toast. And now we're at least in a headspace where we can have the conversation of, hey, let's not absolutely panic if that happens. Let's handle it and and kind of continue on. And we're, and we're not looking at it where the UFC was a couple weeks ago when they had it and they continued on with their fights and everyone was like, oh, these guys are crazy. You know, these are, these are those type of people. And now we're all kind of like, oh, I, I think we can, we can handle this reasonably. Well, I'll give Joe the credit on this one because I think, again, it comes down to the fact that we now have the, the testing. We, we now have the uh, amount of testing that's in this country where, you know, you can give the tests over to these leagues and not uh, jeopardize the public, if you will. Like, I've been seeing so many articles lately that say, oh, we, have, we now have more tests than we have people to take them. So because of that, I think we are in a situation now where if someone does end up getting sick, then it's just as simple as, okay, we test everybody who is in the uh, scenario and range of those people, use one of the short-term uh, feedback tests, and then we quarantine anybody who's found to be sick. And I think it, it, it becomes that simple when, it, when, uh, when we now have the testing infrastructure that's able to be implemented when somebody's, uh, when somebody's infected. And the Athletic did lay out in their their – plan i did find it a bit interesting that it was you know this idea that that players are going to be tested um a couple of times a week once we get underway but that once we get further into the season it seemed like the wording that they use seemed like that might relax a bit because they are concerned with uh competing with i guess those in the medical field that are Mm -hmm. going to need those tests and so I'm I'm a bit curious about that. Uh, the wording that I that I read through was a bit interesting about you know once we get into like August and September that they the the private market that they're getting these tests from they're not going to want to be taking them from people who actually need them. Sure, and I think that that's a concern even right now still. But they they just need to have a, a higher level of testing to get this thing started. I do think it's interesting to kind of go back to something you said about the UFC where it's like there was some freak out uh, after the the, um, fighter who tested positive. Um, Are you guys – I feel like I see quite often like on Twitter – I don't know if it's people just like trolling, like not being serious, but it's like – Anytime there's like a new report about like, for instance, the safety protocols, like the 67 page document, or if there's anything like that, it's like there's people in the in the replies who are like, cancel it, cancel the season, cancel it. It's well, like, 
Yeah. I have something from John Heyman. He just put this out uh, as we're recording. Oh, it breaking says, news. We need and, a breaking news center. Well, <laughs> yeah. it, it's, it's not necessarily breaking news, but it's it's new information that, that speaks to the overarching discussion. It says, MLB hasn't yet made a new offer to players, but has painted a bleak economic picture for the season without fans at games. Uh, MLB has suggested hypothetically they'd lose one to what, $1.5 billion plus, somewhere between $1.5 billion and $2 billion, even if 82 games were played for free with no player pay, which is uh, not necessarily a real scenario, but... Uh, the union obviously is skeptical about those numbers. I, I don't know why they would throw that out there just all willy-nilly. I, I, I think there needs to be, and again, this is a very, very hard line to take, but I think somehow, some way, there needs to be an independent arbitrator when it comes to the exchange of uh, of the books and the auditing when it comes to these teams and what the union has to see from that perspective. Yeah, I've kind of, I don't want to say it's like I'm I'm siding with one side or another because I really do not care. <laughs> do you, not just want, care. you just want to play. I just, yeah, want to I, play. Do, I just want baseball to be played. I don't care what numbers they, they come across. But I will say that I think that my the general sentiments that I've expressed have probably been more... Um, uh, I, I Owner sympathetic. Put, I, I haven't put as much pressure on the owners as I feel like a lot of the public sentiment has about like the owners are trying to screw the players. Um but I will say the players should absolutely have private access to numbers, to, to, to at least some, some numbers that are relevant to this negotiation or to, to a potential agreement happening. I mean, like, you can't, you can't agree to do a revenue share without knowing exactly how much revenue you're sharing. I do, like, I do you know, wonder, that, though, again, it would have to be an independent third-party arbitrator. Like, I, right. I, don't, I don't want these, these books cooked up by Leopold Bloom or something like that, you know what I mean? <laughs> Does anybody else get that reference? Please tell me we get that reference. I got it. Um, yeah. It, Thank it, you, Joe! <laughs> Sorry, I'm lost. That's uh, the accountant from the... Uh, very popular uh, musical, The Producers. He uh, uh, cooked up the phony books to uh, Max Bialystok, the then Broadway producer. But that is a story for another day. Will, Thank you, Mel Brooks. I will reiterate, Mel Brooks is a genius. genius. Uh, <laughs> uh, shoot, what was I going to say? Now, now <laughs> I lost sorry. it. Now I started I'm thinking about so, Mel Brooks. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um. accounting accounting third party accounting something books Mm, numbers i'm sure i'll think of it as soon as somebody else starts talking about something else damn it (laughs) that's 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 how these things as long as we as long as we don't have korean sex dolls in the stands that's that's the one important thing (laughs) hey i'm surprised they had so many sex dolls available you would think if there's any time when the sex dolls are there's going to be a run on sex dolls it's during the quarantine right my question when it comes to that is someone had to identify them and know what they were. Well, no. <laughs> someone if you had read the to story, if you saw, if you If you saw the story, they were holding up signs that were apparently advertising, again, in Korean. We, none of us can read Korean uh, unless anyone of you tells me differently. But they were holding up signs that were advertising adult streaming sites. So that, that, was, the, that was the giveaway. That was the giveaway. Wait, so who got to put the fake fans into the stands like who apparently apparently i'm interested apparently the team bought them from uh from the company that that was distributing these uh but the team wouldn't have put these signs in their hands apparently the 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 the, uh the company said it was a uh it was a packaging error sure phrasing i'm sorry sure Guys, I have I have good news to get us off this topic, which is that I remembered what I was going to say. Breaking news sounder. Um, so one just kind of to take it back to the negotiation to to to, to bring this thing back um, from off the rails. Yeah. Again, when we're looking at these negotiations between owners and players, I think it's really important for people to understand that, like, when you're talking about the owners, you're talking about the organization, the club, you know, like, and that involves a lot of people aside from the owners. I feel like the way that we frame the owners versus players is like the owners is 30, 30 billionaires sitting, you know, sitting in a lavish conference room talking. And maybe, and that is probably how, like, you know, to an extent, a bunch of Jerry Jones. Yeah. Yeah. 
But like at the end of the day, the the bottom line for the owners affects the operating revenue, the operating budget for for their ball club, and that's going to affect a lot of employees. And we're already going we're going to see furloughs of people regardless because there aren't going to be fans, and so there aren't there are jobs that aren't going to be needed for this season. Um, but you know, I, I I just hope people kind of like can take that on board that it's like we're talking about money that would be going to it's not like the money is simply going right into one person's pocket you know like who run who runs the club it's going into a broader economic system i just found out that jameson makes cold brew coffee whiskey infused coffee Mm, i bet that's good i don't know if that if that has any alcohol in it but i'm immediately intrigued anyone else sounds like uh Perfect, perfect, like bachelor party. <laughs> Bring along whiskey, whiskey, coffee. That's 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 my kind of thing. Do I'll we have? Just, any- I'll, I'll keep my coffee. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> we have anything else for the good of the cause, gentlemen? Reminds me of like why? Why does anybody ruin perfectly good chocolate by making it mint? Yes. Yes. Thank you. Could not agree more. <laughs> or like the people who like mint chocolate chip ice cream. Like that is, I don't understand anybody who wants mint in their ice cream. Like what's what is the deal? Absolutely horrible. Keeping on some sort of uh, similar topic, I do feel like I need to, because we we, we didn't talk about him, and so I thought at some point I was going to have to issue uh, some form of of an apology or just to say I was wrong from last week, where last week I had a very firm stance where I was like, you know, I'm tired of all of these people in the media coming out and saying that the players – are only interested in the money. Like, no, the players are interested in their safety. And then Blake Snell came out and said what he said. On well, I yeah, thought we, I thought we talked about him last week. Did we not talk about him last week? No, we did not. No, it yeah, it hadn't happened yet. And so it was one of those I could not. Well, damn it, guys! I thought I, I was I was avoiding because I thought we already talked about it. No, that was in the rundown. But it's fine. No, it's just one of those. I could not believe that right after I was like, there's absolutely no way that a player is really more concerned with the financials than he is his health, which would then affect the financials. And then Blake Snell was like, ta-da, I'm here, and I'm going to tell you on a Twitch stream that, that oh, sorry, let me, let me, let me be Blake Snell for a second. Hey, bro, you know, man, oh, no, I gotta get mines, like... Who are you? Sit up straight and talk right. Like, man, come on. Stop with this this fake lifestyle that you're on your Twitch stream, I guess, around your friends kind of thing. It's just, I, I honestly, I could not believe that he said that. And then, of course, it was none other than Bryce Harper on his own Twitch stream playing video games. Who was like, question, bro. Yeah, who was like, oh, I support him fully. I'm glad somebody well, said that's it. the other part is that I, I think that there are probably a lot more people who feel like Blake Snell and Bryce Harper than are willing to come out and speak publicly about it. And I'm glad they don't come out and speak publicly because there's a lot more Major League Baseball players that have enough sense to know that that stuff's ridiculous because Blake Snell is one of the most just irrational. He he just he he speaks before he really thinks because uh, as Joe put in our group chat last week and I shared it with with uh, Dukes and Bell and they took it to air. He was one of the first people to be like, "Oh man, I'm not worried about the coronavirus thing." Like he's always got something. If I get quick- the Rona, I get it, man. Yeah, he's always got something quick to say, and so he should not be your spokesperson for the players. But instead, he was the 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 face of the players to to kind of come out and say, "Oh yeah, you know, I'm worried. I'm worried about taxes. Oh, I only play in Florida and don't have to pay state income tax for the games that I play in Florida." But yeah, you know, just all of these kinds of ridiculous things that he, I would say, uneducated on the topic to just come out and speak. Also, maybe we shouldn't be taking uh, players' Twitch streams as their official statements, but that's a whole other subject. It was just such a such a wild kind of. I just knew like no player is gonna come out and say that they're worried about the money kind of not thing. So, not so fast. And I, it was yeah, one of those. I stand corrected. I actually felt kind of bad for the players after seeing that because it's like, man, these are the op- the exact optics that you don't want out there. Like, mm-hmm. 
yeah. I understand that they have to like they're it's a labor dispute. They have to def- they have to you know fight for what they believe they deserve. But like this is the exact kind of messaging that you just don't want to be public, and it, and it's going to go viral like it did. So I kind of felt bad for them to an extent that this happened but i really did love there was a there was i think it was an article in the athletic afterward that was like the headline was like um despite controversy snell vows to stream again or like something like that yeah well we'll be back on the stream a very stream again yeah a very 2020 kind of (laughs) right thing it's like only well i mean only in 2020 i didn't think that there could be a more incompetent face of the players than tony clark but uh i guess that's not true (laughs) <laughs> i guess that's not true yeah, yeah. it's, it's yeah. one of those he does and the, the, i guess the biggest problem is he has an argument as far as right you, yeah. you you do have to understand look he has a job and he wants to make the amount of money that he was set to make and he's obviously mm-hmm. just like anyone who's been affected by this whole pandemic he's very frustrated and he you know he wants his money and that's a great conversation to have while you're not in the face of the public and being put on quote unquote record as as saying that those are the kinds of conversations you have with your friends in a in a private conversation and then your agent or you know, Tony Clark or whoever is speaking on behalf of you cleans it up and and puts the right things in there and put the priorities when you really think about it. But unfortunately, when you do a Twitch stream, you that doesn't happen. Yeah. I, if you go back and watch the video, I really truly think that like he just got really into oh, yeah. like some like spoken word poetry. Like he was like feeling it, you know? And so well, and, like, and people get that way. Like one of the things yeah. I play video games to relax. I, I don't play very, uh, what I would call difficult video games. I'm very boring when it comes to, Same to video games yeah. because it is my time where my brain kind of shuts off and I just want to relax a bit. And I feel like that's kind of the headspace that he was in is, you know, you get asked this question and, you, you kind of get on a roll, you get on your soapbox per se, and just really start to feel yourself in, and, and you almost, it's kind of one of those, you say to yourself, yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, like everybody, like all the 20,000 people in this in the Twitch chat are like, hell yeah, maybe they were, <laughs> I don't know, but uh, I, I did think it was funny, like, you know, again, juxtaposing that with, like, what we've heard from Ronald Acuna wanting to, like, go play in in venezuela if you can't play here and uh and the real the part that kind of got me about the snell thing and again i think this is just him kind of in the moment being really bravado where he's like i'm not even thinking about this year i'm thinking about next year and um and then like two days later uh, acuna posts a uh, picture on instagram of him like working out in a parking deck with like where you can see Suntra or us uh, truest park right behind him like he's like he can't wait to get in there and start playing again if that's not the biggest divide and privilege i don't know what <laughs> right. is yeah yeah I, I, yeah I i once again reiterate that i still have i have an insane lack of confidence in tony clark and in fact i'll go completely you know Queen Amidala, if this body is not capable of action, I suggest new leadership is needed. <laughs> I move for I like a vote that. of no confidence in Tony Clark's leadership, replacing Chancellor Valorum with uh, with Tony Clark. Yes, Going full Queen Amidala. Yes, I like that. Yes, I have referenced the producers and Star Wars <laughs> Episode One: The Phantom Menace during this podcast. That is doing the Lord's work, gentlemen. That is doing the Lord's work. I think that's a good way for us to get out of here. And it's a good way for us to end on. Uh, Again, if we have anything that comes about with regards to movement on the negotiation front or an agreement, perish the thought, uh, we will get it to you uh, on the Batter Up podcast. Emergency pod. uh, Emergency pod. (laughs) 3 a.m. will do anything. I'm dying for an emergency pod. I want to bring this emergency pod. If you call me at 3 o'clock in the morning, I will personally come to your house (laughs) and kick your ass. I will literally Dude, do social that. distancing, man. I will do. I, I will. I will eschew 
social distancing. I will. Assure. I, I put I put this on Twitter. It's like I can't wait for like all the social distancing rules, and then the Marlins, um, you know, Pelt Acuna with the first pitch, and then there's just like a huge brawl. Yeah, but that's why <laughs> like the odors was like. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. I I think though, if that were to happen, I'd just I'd wonder how many players are gonna try to keep social distancing or like, all right, kicks, 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 <laughs> throw yeah, baseballs yeah, or something. Yeah, like each throw other. my glove. But will those balls be? Mo- will there be their own balls that are monogrammed? Oh that's no, the no, question. they don't. They don't care. <laughs> they will not. Uh, we will not monogram the baseballs. We will not monogram the baseballs whatsoever. Uh, thank you, Caleb. Thank you, Joe. Uh, thank you, to those of you who listen. Again, be sure to get the Batter Up podcast on the radio app or wherever you get your podcast. We will talk to you next time. I'm Willie P saying so long. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.